promise you, in a company where nobody is innocent, tonight we are all guilty as charged! crime for my cock to be large, then you know I'm always guilty as charged. The quintessential stun muffin, Joel. Another pay-per-view here in New York City. And with her face on my nuts, even that girl would look pretty. But wait, 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 wait. I really shouldn't have said that. That was kind of shitty. I apologize. I'm just trying to be witty. And I hope you're not offended, because that would truly be a pity. Because I was going to fondle those titties. And lick that little clitty. Welcome to episode 71 of the Retro Wrestling Podcast. I'm intern Alex, joined as always by... The one and only, the greatest referee in professional wrestling history, Patrick Young. And Patrick, here we are. The road to WrestleMania is officially set. We're past the fast lane, and now we're moving into the HOV lane. We're getting closer 
What do you have for us from the news desk this week, sir? Well, I was at Walmart yesterday, and I stumbled across a movie for 7 bucks, and I picked it up, seeing as how it has on the cover none other than the legendary Mick Foley. The name of the movie is called Chokeslam. I haven't watched it. It is about a uh, a man who is a deli clerk who uh, his 10th, his high school, his 10th anniversary high school reunion is coming up, and his high school sweetheart, who he is dying to get back with, is now this famous female pro wrestler. And so he is trying to win her back uh, by the helps, it seems, of of none other than Mick Foley. So uh, it's called Choke Slam. I don't know. It looks funny. I got it. Yeah, so, it, I mean, it, it, it holds a 29% rating on Rotten Tomatoes, so uh, not doing too hot on yeah. Rotten Tomatoes, but... But, I mean, it's a pro wrestling movie, so... Have you watched it? I have not watched it okay. yet. No, I haven't. I strictly am uh, going off the back and um, and what it is, uh, what it says and how it looks. It looks entertaining. It, it looks fun, funny to me. I mean, so... I was intrigued enough to buy it. I mean, Mick Foley is acting in it, so... Of course, yes. Mick Foley stars as Patrick. How ironic. What What is the significance there? That he's named Patrick. And I'm talking about it. Oh, I see. Okay, I get it now. I was like, "Who's Patrick?" I don't know a Patrick. So yeah, it's uh, got some. Uh, so got- he tries to. The guy is trying to get the girl. Yeah. Who's the? The guy's trying to get the girl who's a wrestler, and so he wants to make an event, a wrestling event that she'll star in to impress her. That's there you go. The goal here of choke slam. There you go. Doesn't say anything about how much money it made. The film received praise from film festival. The film received praise from film festival critics, cited as a strangely entertaining fusion of comedy, romance, and sport that stands out in a stands out in a sea of repetitive rom coms. It it won some awards at the Rosie Awards, which. The Alberta Film Festival, so this is a Canadian uh, production well, here. Starring Chris Marquette, Amanda Cruz. Amanda Cruz is from... Or Sil- Cruz, not Cruz, sorry. Amanda Cruz is from Silicon Valley, from HBO. N- uh, help me out with this name. Neil... Nail? Nile. Nile. Nile, okay. Right. The printing is... Is kind of small on this. Uh, he's from The Predator and Watchmen. Yes, he had small roles in those films. And so, uh, and then this Amanda Crew is the def- is Amanda Crew is the big star here out of this. Chris bunch. Marquette. I've seen him in something else. I just don't know. It says The Girls Next Door and Fanboys is what he is known for. Yeah. Okay. In The Girl Next Door, he's one of the friends. He's okay. e- he plays Eli in The Girl Next Door, one of the friends of the guy that's. Going after the porn star in the in the film The Girl Next Door. Okay, so, all right. There you go. One of my favorite films as a uh, younger man was uh, The Girl Next Door. Now Choke Slam, uh, it probably looks terrible. I'm sorry, I hate to say we, it. We we might review it someday. I don't know. We might. Well, I I did make you sit through the chaperone, so you probably owe me one. So. <laughs> Well, let's just kick right off into the news here. Uh, late breaking news here in Tennessee uh, just come out this evening. Um, Arrow Lucha 
is a uh, upstart company out of Nashville, Tennessee, just uh, about an hour and a half, hour and 45 minutes of the road here from us. And um, they've gone ahead and signed and are now working with none other than Ray Mysterio Jr. No, Ray has worked some events for them, but he is not. I don't think he's a permanent fixture in the company. Conan is the head of scouting talent, apparently, for Arrow Lucha, which is formed from Arrow Lux Media, which is the Harris brothers, Ron and Don. For years, they actually owned a portion of TNA Impact Wrestling. They were behind the scenes. They actually edited the show. They got out of the ring, got into video editing, and would sit there on their... Uh, Avids and cut up Impact week after week, and even after it sold to even after it sold to Anthem Sports, they, I think they still maintained a very small stake in it. But now they're they're out of it, and they're starting another promotion called Aerolucha, which is supposed to be a family friendly version of the uh, Lucha Libre from Mexico. So no blood, no adult storylines. But from what I heard, I actually heard that Vince Russo might be working with them, so we'll see how long that lasts. Well, I'm interested. I'm very intrigued, and I uh, I guarantee you I'm going to do some more follow-up on this because I did not know this existed and literally until we right before we went on the air. Well, I just have no interest in it because it's Ron and Don Harris, and here's why. Because they have Nazi SS tattoos on their arms. And so if you have a Nazi SS tattoo on your arm, you can go fuck yourself. So, And I don't really care what you do, good or bad. Uh, that is not good, and uh, yeah, so fuck right off, Ron and Don Harris. Uh, I think they sucked as wrestlers. Uh, Impact has sucked for years, and this promotion will probably suck. Uh, not due to the talent, but due to who's running it, and that's just my personal opinion of Ron and Don Harris. So good luck to them. I hope they make... Look, I hope more wrestling promotions, the better, but... I just hope that they I hope they do things the right way, and I hope that they don't give Vince Russo a lot of power, and I hope that they bring Lucha Libre to, especially the Southeast, to something that doesn't happen. I mean, they... No, even, it's, uh, it's, it's an upcoming, of you know, it's an upcoming idea, in my opinion. I feel like it's going to help quite a bit with, uh, with branding out in, into new styles. Yeah, well, I mean, usually when Lucha runs American tour dates they're out in california uh they're out west usually typically i mean that's i think um lucha underground i mean tapes in la or whatever so this would be a good i think this is a good idea i think the people behind it are probably not the right people for it outside of conan but uh we'll see what happens with that so i'm intrigued i i like i said i'm gonna do some more study up on it and see what i can figure out but uh i'm interested and i i'm I might even want a piece of the action myself. We have a new Hall of Famer, none other than the legendary Kid Rock. Yes, which, if they're already announcing the celebrity inductee, tells me that we're not getting a deceased inductee this year. No. It makes me think that the Hillbilly Jim announcement was a last-minute swap for someone in Bam Bam's family or some other deceased wrestlers. They just said no. And so they grabbed Hillbilly Jim for that week. Yeah. Because if you're already on to the celebrity, I think that that's usually the last announced member. So right. I think I think this year's class has come to a close. Kid Rock's song is being used for WrestleMania this year, as it's been used for many pay-per-views. I mean, this guy's music has been worked into millions of stuff. Kevin Dunn fucking loves Kid Rock. <laughs> and so, of course, this guy gets a Hall of Fame 
uh, induction. You know, even though Jim Johnston sits on the sidelines writing, you know, thousands of songs and does not true. get to go that's to true. the Hall of Fame. You know who's not getting inducted in the Hall of Fame this year? Uh, who's that? David Arquette. I know another celebrity that. But you he, know, you know what though? He is completely one hundred percent set on the fact that he is in one day going into the WWE Hall of Fame. He believes it. He's always maintained a good relationship with the WWE after WCW's closure. And so, yeah, I could see it happening one day for David Arquette. It should have probably happened already. I mean, based on every time we talk about the Hall of Fame, I find it stupid because there's no criteria to get in. There's no minimum of how long you've had to been in wrestling. There's, it's just randomness. Yeah. So for us to sit here and talk like, oh, David Arquette should be in, it's just made up, you know? It's, I mean, I know we're talking about pro wrestling in general and, you know, and the whose line is it anyway line, it's all made up and the points don't matter. But the Hall of Fame, like, we could sit here for days and just name people that we would rather see in there, but... That's true. They just pick who they want. Now, this Kid Rock, of course, induction to me. With Kid Rock there, the American badass... is coming back. ...is what... Look, I don't think that character... I did not like Biker Taker at all. It felt like my... It felt like my dad trying to be cool and hip. and But I know that Mark Calloway probably thinks, looks back at that part of his career and thinks, man, that was fucking great. I loved it. And, and he got to be himself. Yeah. If this is going to be his last match, which we say every single year, is this the last match? Is, is this one? Maybe that. If this is really going to be the last match, he probably wants to go out the way he felt most comfortable as Mark Calloway. And mean, it, mean Mark. So. And it would make sense that he left his dead man gear in the ring at last year's Mania that his powers are gone. Right. He's lost his superpowers. Right. So he needs Kid Rock to play him out on a motorcycle, of course. Well, yeah. Because... I think you're onto something here. Now, if Cena could come out as the Doctor of Thugonomics and take on Biker Taker, that would be truly something special I, for that would be yes that would be awesome but i don't think that's going to happen but i think that yes we're probably getting biker taker american badass taker with the flag and he's gonna get the usa cha- he's gonna show john cena how to do a mr usa gimmick here <laughs> and uh yeah so that's what i think the kid rock induction means ultimate deletion we are going to get an ultimate deletion match in wwe we are. It's, 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 it's unique, it's weird, but yet it's kind of cool. I just hope, here's my thing, I hope Vince and them step back and say, you know what, believe it or not, you know what you're doing, Matt, just do your thing. Well, with Jeremy Borash in the company, I think that it's already been shot. It was shot, I think, a week ago. Oh, okay. It was shot before uh, Jeff Hardy's unfortunate uh, incident uh, later in the past week. They're either cutting around him or he's going to be in it, maybe, possibly, because it's already been taped. What's most stunning about the ultimate deletion happening is that Vince is not the kind to take gimmicks from other organizations and reuse them verbatim. You know, like, because we've sat for years, we want war games. We want war games. Even when we got war games, not quite war games. Uh, You know, you bring... The American Dream, Dusty Rhodes over. You know, the hard-working man, the son of a plumber. Put polka dots on him. You know, it's Lex Luger. Oh, now he's a narcissist. You know, he's he's uh, Hercules. You know, it's never yeah. he never 
He can't grasp, just leave it the hell alone and yeah, imma- what works, works. Right, but, you know, in some instances he's right, because imagine if Mean Mark was just Mean Mark. He would be out of that company within a couple of years, That's probably. True. So that is very Sometimes true. Vince is right, you know, and sometimes he's very, very, very wrong. But it's very strange to me that they are going to incorporate this gimmick from Impact, this match type that they did not create... Uh, all these characters that they expect their fans to know, you yeah. know, and I think most of them will because it was such a viral sensation. That's probably why the company is doing this is because it got so many hits on YouTube and stuff, and that's where WWE sees all the future. You know, that's why they're doing the mixed match challenge on Facebook Live. They're yeah. just trying to TV's going to die off. They and think we're TV's have, dead. We're going to have nothing but internet 24-7. And so all they want are clicks. And this thing got a lot of clicks and they're going to do it. And the rumor is coming out of it though that I think Matt and Bray will be a tag team coming out of this, which I think is stupid. But whatever. As, as long as I don't get a stupid Bray Wyatt promo by himself every single week like we've been getting for the past three years, then uh, I'll take it. Uh, but I hope that it's fun, and I hope it's fun for the crowd that has to sit there and watch it in the arena. They're the ones that I feel for the worst because that's true, you, you get could it. get a House of Horrors match. Yeah, yeah. So uh, that's really – and I'm glad they're doing it on Raw and not Mania because the Mania crowd, that would really suck. Oh, Imagine yeah. sitting oh, yeah. where we sat last year with the blue light in our face mm-hmm. – and on the screen, which it was a beautiful set, but there wasn't a giant, a good screen, right. really. And trying to pay attention to all the details of all the, you know, Easter eggs in the final deletion. So I'm glad they're doing it on TV. It's a good way to get through a week of Raw in which they really don't have a lot going on because some of their stars, they're keeping Brock off TV. They're scheduling him to appear. And then they're saying uh, they're baiting and switch people. They're saying, oh, Brock will be here. And then they pull him off. For the storyline to make Roman look like the good guy that shows yeah. up to work every week. Yeah. They also, they falsely promoted that Ronda Rousey was going to be on every Raw until Mania. They put it on their website. Guess what? No Ronda Rousey every Raw. So they've really got, they really need some, uh, they need some good stuff between now and Mania on, yeah. the, on their A show. And so this is a good idea for that. So I, I hope it's awesome. I hope it's something we're talking about from years from now. Going, Good or bad. Going from one Hardy to another, we touched on it. Let's go ahead and stick with it. Um, Jeff got a DWI earlier this week. Yes, Jeff cannot stay out of trouble, this guy. Uh, some people are just uh, cursed with uh, always screwing things up for themselves. I think of John Jones from the UFC, and I think of Jeff Hardy in pro wrestling, I mean, every time he gets a chance, man, he, he something bad happens and he loses it. And it's uh, luckily, hopefully, maybe nothing will come of it. WWE may give him a slap on the wrist and let him go. I doubt it, but nothing has been done so far yet. Right, they're going to quote let the legal system play out. I mean, we talked last week for a minute about prejudging people, you know, right. determining innocence or guilt before right. it plays out in, in the courts. Jeff is on his second strike as far as the drug testing policy. The drug testing policy follows you even when you re-sign with the company. So really? He's, he's one strike away from being gone anyway. You know, Vince, when he was talking about relaunching the XFL, he mentioned anybody with a DUI, they're not getting in the XFL. 
So it, he'd look like a real hypocrite to let Jeff come back if he's found guilty with a DWI and then start his football league and say, oh, you got DWI, you can't play here. Oh, my wrestler, he can play here, but you can't play football here. So uh, That's two different companies, though. Let's I know. Be honest. I, Alpha Entertainment, yes, and WWE are not the same. And we but, don't use the same product. We don't. Right, of wrestlers course. are not going to be on there. Football players aren't going to be on there. There's, but I really feel sorry for Jeff. Yeah, I do, And too. for a guy with so much talent, one of the most talented wrestlers, uh, I think, and so much wasted talent because some of his best years were spent battling demons. And here he goes. He's, you know, in the twilight of his career. I mean, he's in his 40s now. I mean, you know, Ric Flair wrestled into his 60s, so who knows. But, uh, you know, but well, here... He's dwindling. What you're getting at is he's dwindling down to, to where you're not going to see a world title run possibly with jeff hardy well that, especially after something yeah, like this, this is yeah. this is now slowly slowly leaking that slowly slipping out of his grasp of his hands forever well right and he's he's phasing his career down anyway i mean right. it's just it comes with age and so it's sad to see that even with this last run you can't even get get him for a good last run you know yeah I mean, even Rob Van Dam, as far... You know, when Rob Van Dam came back in for those times, and I mean, yeah, he didn't do much on the roster, but at least he stayed out of trouble and he did his job, you know. Dudley boys, they came in, they did their job. They didn't get promoted correctly, but they did their job. They stayed out of trouble, and they they had their last run, the New Age Outlaws, same thing. Well, up until Billy gets suspended, you know, with the weightlifting competition, but... Yeah, I feel really sorry for Jeff, but then on the other hand, I don't because he has a lot more money than me and a lot more talent than me, and he's a lot better looking than me. So in some ways, I do feel sorry for him, and in other ways, I am quite jealous because he's had a nice uh, nice, ru- uh, a nice run in pro wrestling, but it's it's a shame that uh, he can't stay clean, it seems like. You know who I feel sorry for? Who's that? I feel sorry for Brian Christopher. On February 18th, there was an incident regarding Chase Stevens, who I am friends with, and Brian Christopher, who I am friends with, uh, involving a fight in a hotel room that ended with Brian Christopher having a fractured skull, a broken nose, a broken orbital bone, and teeth knocked out of his his head. Um, Now, Brian was intoxicated to police reports when the uh the police got there to to assess the damage um that has also been stated as of the uh the hotel staff as well so uh i I don't know any details i don't have any idea as to well even if you're not drunk i saw a picture after the incident he he's pretty fucked up uh yeah even if you're not drunk you're not gonna make a lot of sense after the uh the beating that he took yeah it's very unfortunate whatever dispute they got into that got out of hand really quickly yeah uh so i i feel i feel for for both men actually believe it or not that it it happened you know like i said me being you know friends with both i uh work it out have a beer and move on with life that's i mean i don't because i don't know any details i don't know any you probably have investigated it more than i have but that's literally no i just i saw the photo on a brief story about it and i just saw it as yeah, just uh, just a bar fight. Yeah, sometimes it happens. Yeah, so uh, and sometimes you need to know when to quit. And if if he was losing the fight, uh, which it looks like he lost, I'd like to see a picture of Chase Stevens. Yeah, just for comparison. But man, he got 
he's unrecognizable in that picture. You can look it up on Wrestling Inc. or any of these other wrestling news sites. So yeah, it's uh, it's it's bad. Um, yeah, it's real bad. It's real bad. Uh, and and Chase is a guy that you don't want to fuck with. Chase Stevens is. A, I don't think you want to fuck with any pro wrestler, really. Well, I mean, these guys. Uh, sad situation all the way around. Hopefully, it all works out and for the better. And there's no hard feelings. Um, but moving forward, last in our news, we have a uh, a WWE event coming to Australia. Okay. Okay. It is now going to. We have no Australians on the staff. Pretty much, other well, than oh one, Buddy Murphy. Do I you think remember? Is the one do guy. you remember a a a fond Australian pay per view done in the early two thousands called Global Warming? I've seen it in the in the drop down menu, but I I don't recall it. Global no. Warming two is getting ready to happen in Australia in October of this year. Well, it'd be really nice if they still had Emma on their staff and they yeah. had this top star to promote, but now they've got Buddy Murphy. So I guess the goal is to build him up very quickly to uh, take him down there. I imagine getting to Australia, they don't get there very often. No. So there's really for for a country of Australia's size, it doesn't have the population density that like India has. And so... Or China, places where WWE wants to expand. So because of that, they don't get a lot of attention from the company. So I'm glad to see that they're going down there and it's, doing a live event. It's a good thriving uh, country for, for indie wrestling, though. I have a lot of friends that work shows down there and a lot of friends that live down there on Facebook that I stay in touch with. And so it's, uh, it's a good wrestling country. They just uh, it doesn't have a, a massive wrestling promotion like a WWE. So... To have WWE recognize their country and come in, that that's pretty cool. I think with the network, especially now, we should have a lot more international stuff because now it's just on demand. We can just watch it right. anytime. I it's not. I don't have to be in front of a TV at seven o'clock or eight o'clock or whatever. I can just watch it whenever. Right. I, I mean, just have to avoid spoilers. That's all. Yeah, I'd like to see a, a WWE pay per view from Japan. I'd love to see another one from uh, Britain that was like SummerSlam 92, a big massive oh, yeah. stadium show, yeah. an O2 arena size show, you right. know, um, where wrestling's still hot. Wrestling's hotter, I'd say, in, in Britain than it is in the States, really. Yeah. And so I just think it's, it's time. I think it's all, I, honestly, they announced that they're taking Mania to back to New York next year. So another Mania we won't be going to. Uh, they're going to take it to the football stadium, but I really thought they should take it overseas. Just take it overseas one time. Oh, a WrestleMania out of the country. Yeah. Okay. I'm with you. I mean, they've done it out of the country technically with Canada, Toronto. Well, but. yeah, but I don't really count that that much. <laughs> yeah. But, I mean. You cross a bridge out of Detroit and you're yeah. suddenly out of the country. Yeah. yeah. So um, When I'm thinking out of the country, I'm thinking you're flying and you're doing one in, you know, in the United Kingdom or you're doing one in you know iran or there's lots of other countries that they're capable of doing pay-per-view events from that i'd like to actually see imagine doing one in bulgaria and have rusev headline it holy shit how hot that crowd would be that would that would be that would be rusev that would be rusev day so uh that's all i got from the news well briefly wanted to touch on the sensitive subject of the uh, battle Royal for the women at WrestleMania 
formerly the Fabulous Moolah uh, Battle Royal. They took her name off of it, and good for them that they did that. Now, it's not to disparage her, but there are a lot of bad things that she did to other wrestlers and human trafficking. Okay, all right. I I wasn't going to get into this, but we can get into this. Um, It has been said in the past... That Moolah, when she was training up incoming female wrestlers, she would pimp them out. <laughs> yes, that's correct. Now, is there any proof of it? Yes, there's there shoot are proof. interviews with Sherry and all these other Okay, because I have not seen proof of this. You can watch so. shoot interviews and read. There's a book Pat LaProd wrote about the women of wrestling where he talks about it. In WWE's history of women's wrestling, here's how they think women's wrestling goes. Here's what they want the general public to believe. There was Mae Young and Fabulous Moolah, and then there was Trish and Lita, and now we're at today. That is the timeline that they have established in their mind, basically. And Alundra Blaze fell in there somewhere. Right. Alundra Blaze and... Um, Wendy Richter? Yeah, Wendy Richter, and yeah. th- those don't exist. You well, Monty Kai. Yeah, all, the, all those, we skip past those. And it seems like the only two dead professional wrestling women that they want to honor is Mae Young and Fabulous Moolah. I thought that they could have picked Sherry Martell. They could have picked China. It's like... Well, I don't... Whoa. Now, no no on China. I mean... Why? Because you're jumping from one major end of the spectrum to the complete other. To the first female intercontinental champion. Who then fell on hard times due to drugs and alcoholism and did porn for almost well, 10 right, years. Right, but then you have a human trafficker in Fabulous Moolah. And so I'm not holding... saying one's better than the other, but I'm saying both of them are wrong. Okay, well then they made the right call. Snickers made them do it, by the way. The sponsor made them change the name. Um, which, good for Snickers. And just the 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 tweet Stephanie put out afterwards was just so con- she knows how to be so condescending. Uh, what people. did she say? I haven't Oh, she said, "Oh, we heard, we listened to you and we did this, you know, you know, and changed the name or whatever." So what is it called now? It's just the Women's Battle Royal or whatever. So wait, we were having an Andre Battle Royal That's and this correct. was going to be their version the female version of the Andre Battle Royal. Yes. In regards to the fabulous Moolah. Right. And because some people have said some bad things about Moolah, everybody's losing their shit over it. That's correct. If it wasn't important enough to bring up in the 70s and the 80s when WrestleMania was starting to get hot and they wanted to go ahead and put her in the first cla- or the second class well, of the Hall of Fame, be the first Social female. media wasn't around. There was no way to air... If you weren't reading The Observer or other, you know... I mean, the Observer was like the only dirt sheet around. If you weren't even reading, but there was nothing said of this for almost twenty something years. Because you know how rumor mills start, man. It's like damn telephone. You tell a kid, they go and they tell this three other people, and it gets spread around. And it's the the same thing you told them. Hey, I bought you a Snickers bar. Well, when it gets down to the end of the road, they bought you a Snickers bar, a candy bar, a dog, a cat, and a brand new car. How do we know that exactly 100% this is full-blown the truth? Because I haven't seen any solid information regarding it. Well, I just think there's enough evidence out there with the the shoot interviews and stuff and and people who worked with You you see what I'm saying, though. You see where I'm coming from. Yeah. I don't want to. I don't want to trample on a on a dead woman's legacy, all because 
there has been others that have I said don't think something. that this hurts her legacy because like I said this is still a very highly regarded character in their history book absolutely this is their number one absolutely you know I mean, this is the longest reigning women's champion of all time yeah so anyway that happened this week but now we go back to 2001 a year that changed everything in pro wrestling we already covered WCW greed which was my pick a couple weeks ago which was the final WCW pay-per-view, so this week I picked the final ECW pay-per-view, and when I say the final ECW one, I mean the one owned by Paul Heyman, not the WWECW, which we covered their last pay-per-view, right. uh, December 2 Dismember, which was uh, a lovely evening of uh, good times down in Augusta, Georgia. But now we are here, <laughs> the Hammerstein Ballroom, where ECW would live when they're not in their ECW arena. This is a very this was a very strange time for ECW because ECW on TNN was canceled correct in, in September October of 2000 to make way for the WWE to have Raw on the new TNN or Spike TV as it would later be known and then their syndicated show Hardcore TV ended December 31st the end of the year 2000 so we're one weekend to 2001, they have no TV deal. None whatsoever. So, and, and that plays a part, believe it or not, into this pay-per-view. It does. It's mentioned by the television champion. Yeah. Who, so, who miraculously does not have his title because they don't have a TV deal. It's true. We get the opening. It's dubbed over on the network, so it really sucks. Uh, if I, I wish... I wish I had the pay-per-view VHS of this. I have. I watched my DVD copy. It just started off with this video montage, okay. and that was your build-up basically for the. This is extreme, and this open has this dubbed-over music, and they show all the feuds heading into this pay-per-view, but no voiceover. Uh, you know, no Freddie Blassie to tell us what's going on. <laughs> yeah, uh, just nothing, and it goes on for five fucking minutes. It does, and this pay-per-view is only two hours long on the network. Correct. And they, they've cut a lot of entrances, so I guess they needed time to fill to even make it to two and a half hours or whatever this thing really ran uh, when it aired originally. Rhino, his storyline, he's been handing out pile drivers to everyone, off of everything, through a table, off the ramp, off the turnbuckle, whatever, I'll pile drive everybody. Jerry Lynn, he's been doing a lot of jumping. He jumps off everything. <laughs> And just incredible, well, he's still been wearing jorts. C.W. Anderson and Tommy Dreamer in a feud. And yeah, that's when I mentioned this thing ran five fucking minutes. And I had to just piece together what was going on from this entrance. Joey Styles and the quintessential stud muffin, Joel Gertner, are in the ring. And Joel Gertner says the following. Well, well, well. Joel Gertner says in his very fine poetic delivery if it's a crime for his cock to be large yes then he's always guilty as charged then he speaks to the only woman in the crowd by the way and he tells her he's going to fondle her titties and lick her clitty wonderful uh this was not the pg era in ecw proceed he says a lot more uh, i'll include the promo yes <laughs> there's there was a lot to be said for mr gertner can i just say i love joel gertner I was surprised they never used him uh, outside of those one-night stands. Joe Gertner was, I mean, he is hilarious on the mic. He adds so much with his quick wit, perverted, you know, commentary. 
But yet, it's... But if he can't be foul-mouthed, could he do the job? See, that's what I always worried about with him, is like, give... When I say, oh, you can't say you're going to lick her titties or whatever, <laughs> can you do it? You know, can you be Jerry Lawler? Because Jerry Lawler can work around, you know, all the actual I think coming he, out and saying it. I, th- I think he could. I think he could have, too, but they just... It's they didn't weird. want to give him that chance. Yeah, I think advertisers probably would have been very upset had they gone and said, you know, Google Joel Gertner whenever, you know, the yeah. internet became prominent and said, oh, look at what our uh, sponsors have been saying lately. Yeah. Gertner, he's got a new tag team to introduce to us. It's Joey Matthews. And, and Christian York. Christian York. Joey Matthews, of course, being... Joey Mercury. He was. Of J&J Security and M&M fame. So really, at that ECW dismember, or December to dismember, Joey Mercury was in both the last ECW pay-per-views. A Holy rare footnote. Shit. And I guess RVD. So like, yeah. a couple of people made it to both shows. The finals. <laughs> the, 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 the final ECW Not even Sabu paper. was at this show. No. Yeah, a rare footnote in history there. Before they can get to the ring, they're jumped by some bald guys. I wondered, who are these guys? Turns out they're just called DeBaldis. DeBaldis wipe them out. Then Cyrus comes out. Jerry Lynn comes out, who is fucking jacked. I mean, Jerry Lynn, I didn't know could get this big. I guess he watched Warlord last week and said, you know what, I'm going to show Warlord how this is done. But he didn't get into Warlord's universe but he was still a very big Jerry Lynn. He would not fit in his Mr. JL outfit, I'm a, afraid. A young Patrick Young was a a big fan of the one Jerry Lynn and got the chance to meet Jerry Lynn later in his career and realized that Jerry Lynn believes every single word of his own bullshit. <laughs> I love Jerry Lynn to death. I do. But... When he's in character, he is on. And here he was on like a million dollars. Oh, yeah. He believed he was RVD. So much so that he, I think, sculpted his body to look like RVD. Yes. I mean, he was this He was, was committed to this character. Completely yeah. committed 100%. Lynn hits the cradle pile driver on Matthews. Cyrus then gets the tag, covers Matthews, and Cyrus the Virus wins a match as Matthews and Christian York go down in flames. So Cyrus and Jerry Lynn somehow got in a match they weren't involved in originally. Cyrus gives DeBaldi some cigars for their fine work. Then he hands the mic to Jerry Lynn. Lynn tells Matthews and York they're jobbers and that he's not a jobber anymore. Then he says he's the whole fucking show. And Lynn says he's not working another match unless it's in a main event because he's not a jobber anymore. Despite working the opening match of this paper. Did you see the irony in what he was saying here? Yes. I'm not going to work those curtain-jerking matches. Yes. I want a main event. Yes. And he worked the curtain-jerk match and then worked the main event. So uh, That's why I said this was so funny because I didn't put – it didn't come full circle with me until I thought back at my young childhood. I say young. I was a teenager at this point in time when I finally got the chance to, to meet Jerry. And, uh, and seeing this, it was just so funny that – because he really did believe, you know, 
I'm not working any more curtain jerker matches. I'm not doing it. I'm not. I'm not going to be the first man out, and I'm not going to make you look like a star. What the fuck did he do? Work the first match, and he made Joey Joey Matthews and Christian York look like stars because he beat the shit out of them. Yeah, they got bloody in Dude, like a I'm, squash match. He beat the fuck out of them, and then let Cyrus get the pinfall. It was it was almost to the point of of a of a. Um, Mikey Whipwreck type ass whipping that you you felt sorry for these guys and started cheering for them because Jerry Lynn beat the shit out of them that bad single handedly. Yes, I mean yes, Debaldi's did attack them, but by the way, Debaldi's is the worst name of a tag team I've ever. <laughs> imagine if Ron and Don Harris, as much as I shit on them earlier, imagine if they were just called Debaldi's. What a fucking lazy name is that? What do these guys have? Oh, they're bald. Debaldi's. Send them out there. And then when they interfere, they just kind of come out there and, like, shove and punch and kick. They don't do anything. It's kind of... It was shit. Sorry. I just... The Baldies. And they would be appearing later on tonight as well. Yes, you will see them later on. The old ECW intro plays, and I'm like, we just saw a fucking five-minute intro. What are we doing? You guys have time to fill. So they re-ran the ECW intro, but they have to cut away at the last second because it's their TNN intro. So as the ECW letters are coming together and that TNN starts to rise up, oh, got to cut away from that and yeah. go to – it says extreme or something after that. So so cheap. But if at the end of the show I'll talk about how bad debt they were in or how much debt they were in at the end of the show. I'm surprised this thing got aired. They made this to air. It's, yeah. The fact that they made it as long as they did, based on how bad Paul Heyman was with money, is amazing. Hot commodity, Julio De Niro and easy money, my boy Jason Jett, on the final (laughs) WCW and ECW show. He's here. They're going to take on Danny Doring. Ugh. And Roadkill. Roadkill. Yeah, everyone loves Roadkill. Well, Roadkill is so over. I, I really don't get it. I'm sorry. I just don't love, I don't understand the love for Roadkill. He's fine, but I He's just. He's such a calm, nice. Soothing. Soothing. Monster. Oh. A nice Amish monster. Amish, yeah, Amish guy. You know, I, I was trying to think, thank, uh, thank you for the Amish. Uh, He's such a nice, soothing, calm Amish guy. And as an Amish guy, you know, he's, he, the bell rings and all of a sudden he just turns into this giant monster. Later on, did we seem to put two and two together with Festus? This is for the ECW Tag Team Championship. Danny Doring and Roadkill are your champions. Doring starts with Julio. Doring screams at Easy Money, You fucking suck. I'll kick your ass. Then the ECW crowd always chiming in with something pleasant. She's a crack whore chance for Electra, who was out with Easy Money and Julio De Niro. Yes. And they also had another guy with them, too. I don't really think she's a crack whore, but they could I be right. No, I don't think so. De Niro and Easy Money were out with Chris Hamrick and Electra, so that's who was accompanying them. And yes, she's a crack whore chance for Electra. Wonderful. Wrestling fans can be so mean. Women's evolution. <laughs> Doring hits a spine buster to Julio and then a super kick. Julio T-bones Doring and tags in Easy Money. Easy money tonight. I know I knocked on his outfit at Greed. Well, this one's even worse, folks, because this time it's the Billy Gunn see-through thong uh, shorts. Yes. So you can see his thong, and he's got his little leg connectors to his boots. So he one-upped me. Sorry. Sorry, Jason Jett. I apologize to you, but your alter ego, Easy Money, is an even worse dresser than you are. 
He kips up once, and then he kips up again, this time by backflipping to his feet after being thrown to the ground by Doring. Roadkill tags into a big ovation. Roadkill plants easy money and hits a Vader bomb elbow that Kevin Owens has started using. This Vader bomb elbow, Kevin Owens has started using it lately, so maybe he watched the show recently. Roadkill and Doring hit the heart attack on easy money, a throwback to uh, Jim the Anvil. Yeah. Running power slam to Julio from Roadkill, and then Doring hits a top turnbuckle elbow. Roadkill misses a big splash to the heels. In the corner, then Julio De Niro hits a suicide dive that he has to do it like half speed because the railing is so close to the ring that as I see him lift over the ropes, he's like, whoa, got to slow it down. And he did not go flying into the crowd, luckily. Yeah, it looked like shit. Doring, while this is going on, hits Jeff Jarrett's The Stroke to Easy Money. Doring then springboards off Easy Money's back to Julio outside it looked like shit, and it got booed. And then it got you fucked up chance as well, as he basically stumbled off this uh, uh, supposed to be amazing spot. Yes. Roadkill threatens Electra, so maybe some domestic violence going to occur, but Chris Hamrick sidekicks Roadkill into the crowd. Amazing that this kick could lift this giant man over the guardrail into the crowd, but that's how physics work in pro wrestling. That's true. Easy Money flips over the guardrail just to clothesline him. Which looked cool, but had no purpose. I mean, it doesn't add to your clothesline. Hamrick hits a springboard bulldog to Doring, and Julio covers him for a two-count. The Money Guys double-team Doring. Easy Money hits the Easy Bomb, which was that finisher in WCW. But Doring kicks it, too. And that's that vertical suplex into a powerbomb thing. Julio gets the hot tag and drop kicks Roadkill off the apron. De Niro then sunset flips Doring into the turnbuckle and hits a neckbreaker for two Doring hits the double-arm DDT and then hits the bareback, lovely, which is like a seated rock bottom to easy money. Roadkill gets the hot tag and hits the TKO to De Niro, an homage to our dearly departed Mark Merrow, who's still alive. He gives easy money a wedgie. Ouch. He pulls easy money's thong up and gives him the world's biggest wedgie. I don't think he could pull that any higher to begin with. Yeah, I thought it was going to snap. And then he hits a power bomb. Roadkill then springboard clotheslines. Yes, Roadkill hops up on the ropes. It supports his weight. Yes. And he springboard clotheslines Easy Money and Julio Adenero. How impressive. That, I mean, that was unbelievable. That was cool. I mean, more stuff like that, I could see why he's so over. But he didn't do a whole lot of that, at least in this match. Roadkill is distracted by Electra. De Niro hits a super kick. And then Easy Money hits a moonsault that mostly misses Roadkill. That gets you fucked up, Chance. And a two-count on Roadkill. Hamrick comes in and hits a springboard clothesline, but hits his own man Easy Money by accident. Roadkill and Doring hit the Buggy Bang, which is a wheelbarrow hold leg drop combination. One, two, three, Roadkill and Danny Doring will retain their ECW belts. So what do you think of this opening tag match? Or really, the second tag second match? Second tag match. Uh, it's pretty good. I enjoyed it. I saw you... I really see Roadkill being the standout in this. Uh, oh, he's the star for sure, a yeah. hundred percent. Danny Doring, he, as the big man, he didn't get tagged in a lot. Even though Roadkill was over, the heels aren't going to let him get any of his heat, so they no. attack him after the match. Then who's to save them? Of course, Nova, because why not? Yeah, Nova, who is jacked, jacked. He he was Simon Dean. Get ready because he is prepping for WWE. Yeah, he knows this thing's coming to an end, and he's getting his uh, yeah fed body on. 
He's getting his WrestleMania season body uh, on. Nova runs in and saves the faces. Hamrick and Roadkill then have an impromptu singles match. Hamrick, by the way, wrestling in a Confederate flag as he was trained by one of your good friends, Rock and Roll Express, Ricky Morton. He was trained by Ricky Morton, so he wears the uh, stars and bars as a tribute to his uh, trainers, I guess. They're going to have a match because that's how we do things in ECW. That's how they always did things in ECW. Hammer hits a Frankensteiner on Nova for a two count. Nova hulks up after some punches. Super kicks Hamrick for a one count. Electra comes in again. This time, Nova kicks her in the forearm. Uh-oh. The ref then takes a bump. Nova gets a rear naked choke on Hamrick. Then Chris Chetty comes in in a ref shirt as he was forced to retire by Nova. But I guess he could come back as a ref. So he comes in, and Nova's shoulders are on the mat, and he counts a three. Ding, ding, ding. I'm sorry. I go with Chris Chetty here. Nova lost this match. Nope. Nope. He was not the original referee. Oh, I see. Then Lou E. Dangerously comes in and says... Better known as Sign Guy Dudley. Yes, and says, this will stand. And then little Spike Dudley, of course, runs out because why not? Lou E. Dudley then screams at Spike Dudley about how disgusting it is to be a Dudley even though he was a Dudley. Correct. Which I don't think the crowd was catching on to very much, the irony there. Listen, wrestling fans sometimes don't always get what you're trying to get done or get across. I bet some people in the crowd thought it was Paul because he did look like him. He looked a lot like Paul, that's true. He was going to say something else, but Chetty decides to brawl with Spike instead, so now we have another match. Spike hits the acid drop off of Lou E, who he had shoved into the corner, hits the acid drop on Chetty, then Nova hits a swanton bomb on Chetty, Nova hits the kryptonite crunch, and the ref wakes up and tries to count. But this was sort of a botched spot, because Spike is already counting the three. The ref sees him counting the three and says, I guess I'll just let him count the three. And Nova wins, I guess. I don't know, because this made no sense. You would have had to watch all hardcore TV, I guess, to have figured out what the fuck was going on. And you, you know what you know what this match did for me? It made me miss Spike Dudley. We need we need Spike back. Yes, he was a very underrated uh performer. He'd be great on 205 Live now. I think him and Crash Holly would have been. That's a great tag team right there. They could have done so much with so little just with their comedic styles. So this match was just something for something's sake. Steve Carino is backstage with Jack Victory and talks about all that he's accomplished because he is the ECW champion, even though Sandman stole his belt. That's right. The scars on Steve Carino's head are very gross. They're like opposite Dusty Rhodes scars because they go across his head. It's just disgusting. He says he's going to win and he's going to bang Justin Credible's girlfriend. What a nice guy. Then we get a nasty jump cut and we're in the ring. And C.W. Anderson is there to take on Tommy Dreamer. We get a chop battle as Tommy jumps on C.W. before the announcer is done even announcing the participants. Then Tommy suplexes C.W. on the ring mats. Tommy... Man, fashion, fashionista Tommy Dreamer rocking a Logan's Roadhouse shirt. I wonder if he got paid. I hope he got paid to do it. I hope he sold an ad because he probably wasn't getting paid for this show. Paul Paul probably sold that 
that opportunity. Like, hey, he'll wrestle in a Logan's Roadhouse shirt if for you'll, thirty dollars. If you'll if you'll give him, you know, give him give him the shirt, and we'll promote you or something like that. We get a dragon sleeper from Tommy to C.W. Anderson. This is an I quit match because why not? C.W. won't quit. Cyrus has replaced Gertner now as Styles' co-host. C.W. puts Dreamer in an arm bar, and guess what? He doesn't want to quit. Nope. Dreamer hits a sit-out powerbomb into a single-leg Boston Crab to C.W., who, guess what, makes it to the ropes? What, what the fuck am I watching here? This is ECW, guys. <laughs> no rope breaks in ECW. But now there are. Tonight there are. Tommy wedges C.W.'s arm in a chair in the turnbuckle post and then smacks it with a chair. He looks for more plunder under the ring, can't find it, but he eventually does find a lug wrench and clocks C.W. with it. Then he gets the ring bell, puts it on C.W.'s head, who is now bleeding, and then dings the bell, of course. And then he digs the wrench into C.W.'s skull. It looked vicious. Guess what? C.W. still won't quit. Dreamer, this is an amazing blade job here, blades from hitting his chin on the guardrail somehow split his head open. Pretty impressive, Tommy. C.W. then drop toe holds him onto a chair in the ring. Okay, this mat, this ECW mat is so fucking gross looking. I mean, it was gross from the very first match. It looks like they just kept reusing the same. It looks, well, yeah, it's stained. It's blood was stained, or it's stained with blood from. It looks past like it. Shows. It would fail. You know, it, this thing probably carried hepatitis C. I mean, this thing was gross. Well, that's okay. Anderson drops Tommy's <laughs> knee onto the chair, a leg lock, and Tommy Dreamer. Guess what? Won't quit. Dreamer fights out of it, but still on his leg. CW whacks it with a chair and then hits Dreamer on the back. And then, right to the head, unprotected head, chair shot. Tommy no-sells it, of course, and says, I'd like another one, please. And guess what, CW Anderson? He's the enforcer, and he'll enforce another chair shot directly to your skull. That's right. But luckily, when Tommy asks for a third, he big boots CW Anderson. Then he hits a second rope elbow to CW on the chair. Tommy then gets a Christmas gift from Towelboy, who was the guy that would wipe down the ring ropes after every match for ECW. He opens the Christmas gift in January. No, it is cookie sheets, not a sign. I'm sorry. No, the first gift. Oh. The first gift from Towelboy is a razor wire halo. Yes. Patrick, of course, which you can take into any arena and nobody. Well, he's part of the staff, I guess, so that's fine. The towel boy then smacks Anderson with another box. We don't know what's in it yet. CW elbows the ref. These poor refs tonight. And towel boy hits him again. This time we see what's in it. Baking sheets. Of course, mate. He thought Tommy wanted to do some baking after ECW closed. Well, yeah. So towel boy takes a baking sheet shot from CW Anderson as towel boy was going to try something off the top turnbuckle. Instead, CW Anderson gives towel boy the thrill of his life. He and bounces put, this thing off his head. Yes. Gives him a massive baking sheet shot, but then hits one of these delayed superplexes and keeps Towboy in it for... Ever. Yeah, for 20 seconds. This this kid got the, the greatest superplex of his life. This was probably a thrill for Towboy. Oh, this was this was better than, than Bulldog's standing suplexes. I mean, this he held him up there, and when he finally dropped him, I mean... You knew his head was reeling from the blood rushing to his brain. CW, he is an Anderson after all. He hits a spine buster to Tommy on the razor wire. Then Dreamer gets to the ropes again to break up an I quit match. Okay, whatever. CW sets up two chairs, sitting him up in the ring. 
suplexes Dreamer through them. Then he wraps another chair around Tommy's neck, throws him into another one he had wedged in the corner, gets a table, brings it into the ring, but Tommy has awoken, hits him with a chair, and he goes up to the top turnbuckle, and Spicoli drivers his friend C.W. Anderson right through the table, and guess what? Wraps some of that metal crap from the table around C.W. Anderson's eyes, and C.W. Anderson gives up in an I Quit match, which you could break with rope breaks somehow, but that's... <laughs> What it was, and you needed a good plunder match on this show, and I think this was the best plunder match of the show. I know every technically every match in ECW is like a plunder match, but I thought this one was the best, made the most use of the plunder. And that goes for the TLC-C match that we see later on tonight. I think this was actually a better weapons match than the other one. Yes. Uh, because they picked their spots wisely. They built to them. They sold body parts. They had There was some story to this match uh, even though it made no sense that you could break an I quit match with the rope break but whatever um, so what did you think of this match I enjoyed the hell out of it um, you think barbed wire hurts razor wire is a whole nother extreme in and of itself So and tore up his Logan's Roadhouse shirt I so. was really shocked to see that that part being brought in they had reached way down deep to try to make this this match stand out as a uh, as a graphic blow off match, and so um, I enjoyed it. Though I thought it was a great match, uh, I agree with you. Probably the best plunder match on the card. Yeah. So just a bit about C. W. Anderson. He trained at the power plant. He did, and then he was told by J. J. Dillon and Paul Orndorff that he lacked the talent and physique to become successful as a wrestler. So wonderful to tell someone that he is an ugly man. I'm sorry. He is a he's a pretty ugly man. And coming from not a beautiful man myself, I mean, this guy looked like a giant baby. Well, I will be glad to let him know that you think that about him. Sorry. He's just uh, he doesn't have the look of a star, but he is a good worker. He's a Oh, fun, he's a hell fun. of a worker. He's a fine worker. He's a hell of a worker, especially um, in a plunder match. I found it ironic that he went with the Anderson name. Well, he was given the Anderson name by the people that can give it, which was Pat Connor and Rocky Anderson. He said he he did meet Ole Anderson and was disappointed. So, as we all are, as we all are, as Ole always disappoints. Not in the Hall of Fame, Kid Rock Hall of Fame. Anyway, I get onto WCW about all the gimmick infringement that went on with like. Uh, you know, Sean Stasiak and all that. But when you do, like, a spoof of it, when you're like C.W. Anderson, which is not, you know, he's not trying to be better than Arn Anderson, but he's going by the enforcer, yeah. and he sort of looks like him. It's sort of goofy, and it's sort of fun in a way when C.W. Anderson is impersonating yeah. Arn. But if he was actually, like, trying to be Arn Anderson, it wouldn't be good, if that makes sense. All right. Okay. Francine is backstage with a giant sandwich, and she, of course, makes dick jokes about it. Fitting no. In. Yes. ECW makes dick jokes? Carino comes in to annoy her. I said, e- catering in ECW must have sucked here, because this looked like the only food that was backstage was this one sandwich. It was a giant sandwich, but that's it? That's all you got for your guys? They probably stole that sandwich, by the way. Carino then accuses Justin Credible of banging Missy Hyatt to Francine, and Francine's like, I don't know. 
And then Steve Carino marches off, but as he does, Just Incredible comes out of the bathroom, and sure enough, he's buttoning up his jorts. He was banging Missy Hyatt, or so it's implied, because she comes out in a towel. Oh, I'm sorry. He wasn't in his jorts. He was in his pleather pants. That's his street outfit, pleather pants. Just incredible. Uh, Jack Victory, who was with Carino, was like, hey, you used to manage me. Do you remember me? And she was like, did I fuck you? And he was like, no. And she was like, I, well, I'm sorry. I don't know you. And that was Missy Hyatt's contribution to this fine presentation of ECW. We cut to the ring for a six-man tag. It's the FBI, who I never really liked that much. Plus, What? Sorry. Plus Tajiri and Mikey Whipwreck, plus Kid Cash and Super Crazy. So it's an elimination six-man tag. So here we go. You didn't like the FBI? No. Lots of stalling to start. Whipwreck. Whipwreck's wrestling attire with a flamed button-up shirt and his pajama pants are really something to admire. It, it makes me think that I could always be a pro wrestler because look at this guy. Mikey Whipwreck is... Well, that's how you look pretty much 24-7. I know, so. yeah. So he's in. He's living my dream. Yeah. If I ever wanted to... Just dye your hair red like him. And then move around like a like a vampire. Yeah. Cash and Marmaluke bump around Mikey for a minute. Cash fucks up a springboard move to to Mikey and gets booed for it. Where's my pizza chance again for the FBI? Guido, Tajiri, and Super Crazy all tag in. These are the people we want to see wrestle. Tajiri and Crazy share a good exchange with Tajiri's kicks and chops from Super Crazy. Cash hits a top turnbuckle bankroll, corkscrew sent on to Guido, then Super Crazy hits a springboard leg drop. Marmaluke breaks up the pinfall with a guillotine leg drop. Whipwreck breaks up that cover with a leg drop. Then Tajiri locks in the tarantula. Whipwreck locks in the inverted STF. And then Super Crazy locks in a surfboard in what I thought was the spot of the match. So everyone's in a submission move at the same time. I, re- I really wish they all tapped out so we'd have to sort out who won the match. That would have been very interesting. The FBI double-team Super Crazy, but he gets pulled out by Mikey and Tajiri. Then Crazy dives off Cash's back over the ropes and crashes into all of them. Then Cash hits a springboard bankroll to everyone on the outside. Crazy misses a springboard plancha to Tajiri, who is on the other side of the ring. Sal E. Grisanio. Sal... Sally, the FBI manager, who is a massive, massive man, bigger than... Big Sal. Big Sal. Good good nickname. A massive man comes in, splashes a down Kid Cash, and Marmaluke eliminates Super Crazy and Kid Cash first. And so I was kind of disappointed because I would have rather seen them wrestle the remainder of this match. But okay. Tajiri and Whipwreck brawl with the FBI through the guardrail and through the crowd. Marmaluke is so skinny... He can fit through the guardrail bars. That yes. is skinny. Yes. Tajiri and Mikey Whipwreck hit the rocket launcher to Guido. Ode to Owen Hart there. The FBI get tied up in the tree of woe, and Tajiri hits a sliding drop kick to Guido. Sal interferes, and Marmaluke hits a float-over DDT, an inverted one, to Whipwreck. Guido lands a leg drop and gets a two-count. Marmaluke drop kicks Tajiri off the apron, then the FBI hit a super bomb on Whipwreck from the top turnbuckle, but he kicks out at two because he's Superman. They hit wishbone leg locks to Whipwreck, but Tajiri comes in and breaks it up. Whippersnapper out of nowhere to Marmaluke. Then Tajiri, he needs the hot tag. He gets it, hits modified airplane spins to the FBI. 
Whipwreck and Tajiri set chairs up in the corner, and the FBI gets snake-eyed into the chairs. They kick out, of course. Whipwreck tries a double whippersnapper off the top, but instead the FBI counter it into Fujiwara arm bars. Tajiri comes in with the green mist, hits it into one of the face of the Italians. Both of them hit double tiger suplexes, and Tajiri and Whipwreck win. There you go. Sinister Minister, by the way, was their manager and did not do shit in this match <laughs> other than walk in at the end. So there you go. Uh, and a very exciting first third of this match, I would say. Up until the part when the first team got eliminated, I was having fun. And then once they were gone, it sort of slowed down. Everything seemed sort of like I got a, it seemed like it, they took too long setting stuff up. Like, yeah. um, it just wasn't moving. At a, it wasn't telling a story, and it wasn't moving at a fast enough pace for me to enjoy it. Like you it know, wasn't like, flowing. Yeah, like a, it's it wasn't like a TLC match, which is you know just a big spot fest. But it's moving so fast that I let the story go. In this case, there were there really wasn't a story, and there really wasn't it wasn't moving at a fast enough pace for me. Right. So, what did you think of this one? I I liked the match. Oh, I it really, was fine. Yeah, I uh, I think all triple threat tag team matches should should be like this, where it's elimination. Yeah, I enjoyed it. We cut backstage, where of course Sandman, as he always does, training hard by smoking a cigarette and drinking a beer. He talks about, "Oh, I want my belt back." Okay, good. We'll see about that. We go to the ring, and the Swinger, your old buddy Johnny Slinger, is with Simon Diamond. That's right. Don Marie is with him. Swinger wants to bang Don Marie. He doesn't like her managing skills, so he hired a new manager that will hopefully bang him. So he hired Blue Meanie, but yes. that's not who he wants to bang him. It's Jasmine, the girl that Blue Meanie brings out with him. Show your tits chance. So Swinger, of course, naturally, honors their request and flexes his own pectorals. So some tits were shown. <laughs> Balls Mahoney, by the way, for the last ECW pay-per-view, someone should have shown their I hate to I hate to be mad. Look, they chanted for it. ECW was like what ninety three when he threw down the when Shane Douglas threw down the belt. So they've wanted these boobies for eight years and they haven't gotten them yet. <laughs> Give them the boobs already. Balls Mahoney and Chili Willie show up. Talk about bad wrestling name. DeBaldi's and Chili Willie. By the way, Chili Willie, an American hero, awarded the Purple Heart and Bronze Star after being wounded by mortar fire. He went to fight in Afghanistan. After ECW folded, so good for you, Chili Willy. And good for you for accepting the name Chili Willy. <laughs> Simon and Swinger double-team Chili Willy as Blue Meanie distracts Balls Mahoney. Swinger and Simon then hit the problem solver on Chili Willy and seemingly get the win. But then Rhino runs in. What? And, and he wants to fight fucking everybody. Well, yeah. So we get a gore to Balls Mahoney, a gore to Simon Diamond, a gore to Swinger. Then he gores Don Marie. Now Rhino is battling Chili Willie. Chili Willie's offense. His, here, the one move Chili Willie gets in tonight, the rear view, the, the ass bump, or the uh, Andre the Giant thing we saw on bleepers, bloops, and body slams. He hits the rear view to Rhino, and then guess what? He gets gored too. Then Blue Meanie, oh yeah, I forgot about you. You get gored too. Then he grabs Jasmine. She's going to get something special from Rhino. <laughs> so he takes her to the second rope, picks her up for a pile driver. Her skirt falls down and shows her thong to the crowd, to the crowd's delight. So Rhino almost gets over as a face here. <laughs> and then he pile drives a poor woman 
from the second rope, and then he just leaves. But we cut backstage to him, which is odd because he just walked out, and now we are cutting to him backstage. Weird how fast this worked. We find him backstage. Rhino says, I taste violence, and I just fucking began. All right. Good for you. Time for our world title match. Carino versus Credible versus Sandman. It's a TLCC match. Tables, ladders, chairs, and... Kane. Not Glenn Jacobs, but Singapore Canes. Carino is the reigning champ, but Sandman stole the belt, so that old gimmick. So now it hangs over the ring. Credible and Carino double-team Sandman at first, which is funny to me because who do you think is the most, like... You know, the if, best if, wrestler in the ring. Like, Yeah, if, I, if I'm looking at who's do, the best out of these three, it's not Sandman. Yeah, the guy that was drinking and smoking, we got to take him out before the match starts. <laughs> so they decide to double-team him at first. Carino hits a shitty drop kick onto the ladder and Sandman. Credible then launches the ladder at Carino, turning on their formed friendship very quickly. Credible starts rolling. Sandman elbows the ladder onto Carino and in the process fucks up his own arm more than... What was he fucking thinking? <laughs> what the fuck was he thinking here? Like, there's a way to bump off a ladder without fucking up your own body. Like, But here Sandman, in all his brilliance, lays a ladder on uh, Credible and then elbows it and fucks up his own arm. So now he's wrestling this already poorly skilled wrestler has one arm now <laughs> credible rides a ladder onto carino carino gets thrown into the other ladder sandman bulldogs credible on the ladder then sandman says i'm gonna go for the belt but he gets caned on his way up he does credible then does the terry funk helicopter ladder spot the spinneroonie of ladders sandman nearly grabs the belt quickly but carino and credible stop him Carino and Credible get chairs and chair shot the ladder into Sandman's dick. Ouch. As they had knocked Sandman down, put the ladder in his crotch, and then hit it into a hit the ladder with the chairs into his dick. Wonderful. Do what you gotta do. Then Sandman gets chucked over the ropes and through a table, which just happened to be there. Oh, and it had a chair on it too. To holy shit chance, which I'm like, guys, this is EC you guys are the ECW crowd. You need more for a holy shit champ, but okay. So that takes Sandman out. So now it's Carino and Credible. Carino drop toe holds Credible on the chair. Sandman sells for all of three seconds and is already back alive. <laughs> Gets the cane and nails Credible and Carino. Carino is suplexed by Sandman onto a ladder. Credible gets thrown into a table by Carino, and then Sandman throws a table on Carino. Sandman decides, you know what, I'm going to go for the belt again. Now, this is where Paul Heyman's budget comes into play and nearly kills one of his performers, <laughs> which I've seen it do before. This is not the first time I've seen this happen to their... La they need to switch ladder companies. So Sandman climbs the ladder. It breaks as he climbs it and nearly crunches him in half. So he falls down. So now Just Incredible's like, what the fuck do I do? So he goes and gets the secondary ladder, which was out on the outside of the ring. So now we have to totally reformulate what we were doing here credible is now rolling and drop kicks carino off the new ladder and onto a chair sandman gets a hold of the ladder and climbs again and gets thrown through another table to the concrete so this guy just hasn't learned yet credible is catapulted into the ladder in the corner by carino credible hits a that's incredible tombstone to carino and francine hits the coochie canarana to sandman on the outside 
Wonderful. That's a great name for a move. Francine then goes up on the ring apron, and we get a perv shot from the cameraman as he goes right up her skirt, which can get you arrested in Georgia, by the way. Sandman goes and gets the big-ass ladder, the 36-footer. He said, fuck those cheap ladders. I'm not trying that again. So he brings it into the ring. The belt then is lifted in the air. Uh-oh. Even higher. As Credible and Carino climb for it, a gimmick stolen from the WWF. As one time Stone Cold Steve Austin was going for a title belt that was lifted higher in the air. Yes. And we never found out who did it. No. As we would never find out who did this one tonight. That's correct. Sandman canes both of them down. Credible and Carino get back up to the ladder and brawl themselves right through a table. So now Sandman's all alone. He climbs the ladder and is ECW champion. Carino and Incredible, they've decided, you know what, now we like you, Sandman. So they do the respect spot. And so we all hug, and it looks like we're going to have an ECW sentimental moment. What a send-off. No. Nope. No. Nope. Can't have that. Fuck Fuck that. that. The Baldies are back again. God help us. Sandman props the table in the corner of the ring. Carino and Incredible battle off the Baldies. (laughs) Sandman props the table in the corner of the ring and now just stands around like a fucking idiot. Because Rhino, I guess, had missed his cue, so was running late for his spot. And so Sandman's just standing around, and he's like, I guess I'll get on the uh, turnbuckle and pose. Rhino then finally makes his way to the ring. He never saw it coming, gets gored. But, oh no, Rhino, in his Ultimo Dragon move, trips as he delivers this gore. This The most important gore of the night. He fucks it up. <laughs> He gets a little too anxious, and he falls flat on his face, but he gets right back up and keeps going. Yes, you fucked up, Chance. Rhino says, hey, hand me the mic. He says, fuck you, New York. How about that? Rhino says, why am I the TV champ when we have no TV deal? I want a match right now. Sandman says, fuck you. (laughs) Rhino says, hey, you see your family out there, which the camera doesn't get a shot of. Imagine having Sandman as a dad, just for a second, by the way. That's a very strange thought. Rhino says he will murder Sandman's family if he doesn't accept, which I think this is a crime as well. But okay. <laughs> RVD chants break out. Rhino says, fuck you, there's no surprise. <laughs> which I love. People should do that more when chants break out that aren't going to happen. Just tell them flat out, no, that won't be happening. So he gets in Sandman's face and says, hey, I'm going to murder him. I'm going to murder your family. <laughs> and Sandman says, ring the fucking bell. <laughs> Gore through the table. Sandman kicks out, though. He's not dead yet. Nope, not dead yet. Oh, there's another table on the outside. Pile driver through it. Roll him in. Up, oh, kicks out of that, too. That's right. Pile driver to table shards in the ring. Leftover table yep. from Rhino to Sandman. This is what kills the Sandman. We have a new world champion. Yeah, we're, we're, we don't die from, from going through a table. We die from just landing on pieces of already broken table. Uh, yeah, this was a problem all night. <laughs> no when to end the fucking match. No. Just no when to end it. Yeah. Off the big spots. Yeah. And they missed it in a tag match earlier with the double powerbomb spot. Yep. And they missed it here tonight when... You, the Of all the things he just did to Sandman, the last thing wasn't the worst. Right. And that's what gets the win. Right. That's what puts him down. That's what sends, puts the Sandman to sleep. 
Mr. So, Sandman, give me a dream. I wish he came out to that theme. <laughs> that should have been his theme song. Fuck Inner Sandman. That I've ever seen. All right. So what did you think of uh, the triple threat ladder and the uh, the rhino stuff? I here? enjoyed the whole the whole concept of mashing these two matches together. I uh, I thought it was good. My whole thing of it is, is if you've got Carino and Credible out there, when Rhino comes out and gores them, I'd like to have seen him just beat the shit out of them some more too. So where, don't have him just roll off to the back and it be a one-on-one. Have him beat the fuck out of them and Rhino tear through all three of them again some more during the match, the one-on-one match. You right, know? you have to add the the Baldies come out and run off Credible and uh, Carino. Yeah. It, it was weird. And the so, booking, bad booking, and Sandman, sorry, I, Sandman's wrestling I've never gotten into. And, and in this match, like, I wish there was more Carino and Credible. Well, the and best wish, thing about Sandman was his entrance. After yeah, that's that, it. The bell rings, you're, you've seen the best part. That's it. Yeah, so. which, yeah, since this was the network version, that was dubbed over. So there you go. So Cyrus, he it was a plot all along. Cyrus was behind the whole damn thing. He knew that Sandman would win the belt. He knew that Rhino would then offer to murder Sandman's family, and that would make Sandman accept. So Cyrus's plan was very, very detailed, and it all came to fruition. Cyrus comes out and says, open challenge right now. Anyone fight this man for the belt. And who answers the challenge? Rob Van Dam. Who already has a match scheduled for tonight, but okay. Rhino, a good fighting champion. See, this yeah, this is bad booking again. Yes. You just put him over as this this killer heel. Now he's chicken shit all of a sudden. He takes his belt and he runs home and never to return again. Because <laughs> guess what? He didn't bring the belt over to WWE. This is the end of the ECW title, everybody. This is how it ends. Correct. It's sort of perfect for how this company was managed. <laughs> so there you go. A man t- grabs the belt and re- the belt got repoed, basically. And there you go. Repo man. <laughs> that would have been good. <laughs> Rhino escapes with the belt while Jerry Lynn jumps RVD. Time for their match. Don't go back, Chance, to RVD, who had been no showing events because he wasn't getting fucking paid. He hadn't gone yet to the WWF, so the crowd, I guess they knew he was on his way, though. Yeah. But he wasn't going back to anything. He hadn't been there yet. He had just been no-showing the events because he wasn't getting paid. I don't think he got paid for tonight. I think he did this as a favor. And I'll talk about that quickly at the end of the show. RVD takes a bow as the crowd is, this guy is the most over guy. It's such a shame WWE never used him to his potential because, my God, these people loved RVD. Oh, yeah. And he soaks it in here. RVD takes a bow. He's high-fiving everybody. Showboats forever. Takes it all in. Finally, the match starts. Lynn crossbodies RVD over the ropes. RVD gets a busted lip on the first move of the match. Then he moonsaults onto Lynn off the guardrail. Sandman's beer, amazingly, stayed in the corner of the ring the whole time. Corkscrew and guillotine leg drop to Lynn, who is draped over the guardrail. They get back in the ring. RVD press slams Lynn, hits a standing moonsault, then hits one off the second rope, and then takes a bow. Lynn catches RVD with a top turnbuckle clothesline. Lynn hits RVD with a leg drop through the second rope that nearly takes RVD's head clean off. Lynn baseball slide knocks RVD off the ring into the guardrail. A fan helps RVD to his feet. Oh, how nice. Thanks, man. Lynn then moves the ring mats out of the way, the state-mandated ring mats. 
moves it out of the way to expose the concrete floor, and he slams RVD on the floor. Asshole chants break out as security removes the fan that helped RVD up earlier because he was getting a little handsy with Jerry Lynn trying to put a hat on him because the fans were calling out his uh, bald spot. They were making fun of uh, Jerry Lynn's bald spot, and the <laughs> security would not like that fan offering to put a hat on Jerry Lynn. So he was escorted out before the end of the night. Sunset flip reversals between Lynn and RVD. Lynn low blows RVD and tries to schoolboy him and fucks it up. Gets booed for it. RVD lands an Insiguri and rolling thunder to Jerry Lynn for a two count. RVD hits the running Van Terminator is what I call it. Like the running surfboard chair kicky thing to Jerry Lynn in the corner. RVD tries to springboard onto Lynn in the corner, but instead Lynn moves out of the way and power bombs him onto the chair with the back of his head thudding off the chair. It was nasty. It was very nasty. Disgusting. Like the arched part of those metal chairs is what RVD's back of his head hit. RVD, though, he's Superman. He kicks out at two. <laughs> Lynn hits a German suplex with a bridge for a two count. Lynn gets a chair from Cyrus. That's not good when your opponent is known for his moves with a chair, but okay. And hits a massive DDT to RVD on the chair. And RVD... Gets a rope break. What are we doing, guys? RVD misses the five-star frog splash after Cyrus grabs his leg. Joel Gertner then runs in to play the part of... What was his, the manager? Fonzie. There's no Alfonso. Yep, yep, no. Bill Alfonso's gone. No Fonzie, so we need a replacement. So Joel Gertner steps up to help RVD. And so Joel Gertner, the quintessential stud muffin, DDT Cyrus, so he's out. Hands RVD the chair. Hits the Van Daminator to Lynn. Then he hits the Van Terminator to Jerry Lynn. And that's it. No time to celebrate, though. I know I know, we need to celebrate, but fuck that. We go backstage to Francine's boobs with Credible and Carino and Jack Victory saying something about being extreme. We get some highlights and we're out of there. So what did you think of this main event between RVD and Jerry fucking Lynn? I love the matches between RVD and Jerry Lynn. If you have not seen them, you need to check them out. This one, however, I did not like. This was not the best of no. these two. And I think it's because of the extra mass that Jerry Lynn had put on that he was maybe not moving at quite the speed I would expect of Jerry yeah. Lynn. The, the matches earlier between the two of them is what made me fall in love with Jerry Lynn. Yeah, this was not their best work. Yeah. And it's a shame because it's on the final ECW pay-per-view. Now, ECW would, of course, be kaput. That's it. And they needed to file bankruptcy. They had $1.3 million in assets. $860,000 were in accounts receivable owed the company by In Demand, Acclaim, who made their video game, and their toy company, San Francisco Toy Company. Now, how much they owed? Oh, let's get into that then. <laughs> they owed $8.8 million. And 17 wrestlers and talents were listed as being owed money. The highest amount they owed RVD, get this, $150,000. They owed Shane Douglas $145,000. They owed Tommy Dreamer $100,000. Joey Styles, fifty grand. Rhino, fifty grand. Francine, fifty grand. So yeah, this was not very good. Their assets, they only had the tape library and Paul Heyman's truck. A 1998 Ford F-150 valued at $19,500. So there you go. And then WWE buys select assets, trademarks, picks up some of the wrestlers, and we get what we get. 
And so we, we know the rest of the story. Yeah. Paul Heyman, they didn't really know it was over until Paul Heyman showed up to be Jim Ross's co-host on Monday Night Raw after Jerry Lawler left the company. That's, that's when their hearts were officially broken. They knew it was over. So what did you think of Guilty as Charged 2001? It's not the best ECW pay-per-view out there. There are a lot better ones. Uh, yes. I mean, it's a, for the last one, it's a definite watch. To see the end of a, uh, the end of a company, the end of something that um, changed the course of wrestling, because without ECW, I don't think we would have had the Attitude Era. Oh, that's correct. You wouldn't have characters like Stone Cold Steve Austin, you wouldn't Brian have, Pillman. You wouldn't have had that that Mick Foley wouldn't have been the blurred the blurred lines with you know sexual innuendos and and the whole Pillman's got a gun. You wouldn't have had any of that if it wasn't for ECW. ECW's place in wrestling. Listen, ECW started off as a small independent eastern championship wrestling nwa yeah, a, a small independent group that wanted to break away from the nwa and so they weren't going to be under their their money their banner anymore and so it's a group of guys that couldn't make it anywhere else it's a group of guys that either and rejects or either was told you can't do it you won't make it in this business you're too short like taz you're too you you don't look you know the part C.W. Anderson you don't sorry. look the part like a like the Dudleys or you don't you know these guys went in there public enemy would never be signed never, to a WWF contract. never these guys went out there and said someone like Mikey Whipwreck oh my god yeah never would have had a career in wrestling but these guys went out there said you know what said fuck you. I can give something to this business, and if you're not going to give me the opportunity, I'm going to take it. Yeah, and... Uh, and changed the course, like I said, of wrestling forever. And it's sad that the talent isn't the lasting legacy. Like, you know, you know, RVD should have been a much bigger star when he got to WWE than he was. And... That's why I keep that picture on uh, on my Facebook. It's, it's one of my favorite pictures of between me and, and Tommy and, and uh, Stevie Richards because Raven should have been a much bigger star. That that was that's part of my teenage childhood. The ECW changed the course of of wrestling and changed the course of how wrestling was viewed. It also changed the course of guys such as. It added into that role of Dusty Rhodes, where you don't have, you may not look the part, you may be told, "Listen, you can't do it," but if you believe deep down you can, then do it. And they did. And it's like they I, also showcased a lot of stuff that we. I mean, they were the first to bring in luchas. Yeah, uh, they brought in very skilled technical wrestlers like Benoit and Guerrero, and then. Other, you know, Jericho got his, you know, everybody, there there actually is a lot of talent that went through there that ended up be, becoming stars, but the talent that you associate with the ECW brand, it's just sort of sad that that's not really, you know, when you think ECW, think of all the influence it had, but not necessarily like all the stars that it produced, you know. So, uh, yeah, you mean like... I mean, like, Austin had already been to WCW before. Like, Tommy Dreamer never got a WWE world title run. Right. Like, or yeah, I mean... Stevie Richards, who I think is 
probably the biggest name in ECW. Not knocking anybody here, but I mean, he not only had a huge run in ECW, a huge run in WCW, but then turned around and went to WWF and led this faction called Right to Censor that changed the course of of well of how factions were were viewed coming off the hills of DX. So uh, I just you didn't have those guys get their opportunities, them having to claw and dig. They weren't handed. They weren't Roman Reigns. They weren't they weren't somebody's relative handed a spot. And, right, and, exactly. And yeah. I guess that's I guess that's where it, you have to either a as a fan or b in the business you have to t- tilt your hat to them and say you know what job well done because you fucking did it you you told i don't think there'd be guys like uh daniel bryan or cm punk without ecw right you know yeah so guys that are you know undersized right in quotation marks exactly you know, they're still kevin owens oh yeah exactly like kevin steen would i mean in yesterday in yesteryear's wwe even up until a few years ago never would have looked at him nope not gotten a second look. Said, nope, you don't look the part. Sorry. So, yeah. Um, it's unfortunate. Uh, one more mention about this show. Scott Hall was originally advertised to be on it, uh, but he did not make it. And he had, they Time Warner threatened to sue, and they pulled those uh, advertisements at the last minute, which it would have been foolish for him to appear because then he would have breached his contract and <laughs> fucking lost a lot of money. But whatever. And it's unfortunate about this pay-per-view is that outside of RVD and the Sandman, to a certain degree, you're kind of missing the heart of ECW because they've either gone elsewhere or they're not going to work for free because they don't know if they're going to get a paycheck. You didn't have a Sabu or Taz or... Shane Douglas, the guy that threw down the belt, you know? Yeah. As much as I don't like... I don't really like Shane Douglas, but but he's important to the ECW brand. I understand... The Dudleys are gone. Right. Taz. So all those... Sabu. I think. I don't know if I've said him yeah. or not. Okay. Terry Funk had huge influences and stamped a mark in ECW and stamped their mark in pro wrestling. They never would have been looked at if they weren't a part of ECW making a noise down there. And Vince McMahon and Eric Bischoff say, ooh, I think I can use you on my roster. Yeah, that Raven. Was, that was their stepping stone into wrestling. If if they hadn't have done what they had done, they would have never been in the business. So there you go. That was ECW guilty as charged. Paul Heyman, bad with money, yes. Guilty as charged. Verdict <laughs> rendered, guilty as charged. On our rating scale, Hornswoggle to Giant Gonzalez, where does guilty as charged 2001 stack up on the old... Ratings meter. I'm going to give it a very big Amish roadkill. I am going to go a little bit lower. I am going to give it a C.W. Anderson. C.W. Anderson. Growing up the C-dubs. Well, guess what? What's up? We're sticking with ECW. Okay. Because by God, I have been threatening it for months upon months. And you know what? I'm pulling the trigger. After our episode last week with, uh, with the final... WCW 
the final appearance of Ric Flair and Dusty Rhodes in a ring, and then now the final ECW. I just I'm feeling nostalgic. I'm feeling you know I feel like I have to see some more Dusty, but I want to see Dusty as we know and loved him later in his career. So we're going to see the American Dream, Dusty Rhodes at ECW's Living Dangerously 2000, taking on none other than Steve Carino in a Texas Bull Rope match. Ladies and gentlemen, be prepared because this will be bloody. Okay, well, I'm in a hurry, so I've got to wrap this up. Uh, that'll do it for this week, folks. You can find us retrowrestlingpodcast.com. I'm Intern Alex. I'm the one and only the greatest referee in professional wrestling history, Patrick Young. Saying, as always, my clothesline's clothesline. Bingo, bingo.